Welcome to Preparing for Robots with your host, Dave Gerber. The future of technology and your place in the workplace are addressed here every week. Now, your host, Dave Gerber. Welcome, fellow humans. I'm Dave Gerber, your host of Preparing for Robots, and I'm so excited to kick off this episode of our international program here on Voice America's business channel. We have a great show lined up today, and we have a very interesting guest. If this is your first time listening to the show, let me share some quick information. On Preparing for Robots, we have the opportunity to talk about the impact of all things digital on your personal, professional, business, and leadership future, everyone's future. And we will dive headfirst into this seemingly endless, all-encompassing, unknown digital revolution. I specialize in helping business leaders go after low-hanging fruit solutions to address costly pains associated with all types of organizational and personnel-related conflicts. Want to quantify how costly these conflicts are for your business? Go to conflictcalculator.com and you'll see the cost of human conflict. So I help businesses increase collaboration, save money, and generate revenue by harnessing conflict solutions. From consulting to coaching, training and facilitation, to multi-generational hybrid solutions. I provide business leaders and professionals answers to all types of people-related challenges. As we prepare for robots, humans are going to have to maximize their performance, increase their creative problem-solving skills, their conflict management abilities, and better adapt to the changing business landscape. We're talking about losing 50% of jobs in the next 10 years. What does this mean? My goal with this show is to help bring the discussion to life so that corporate boards and executives, leaders and professionals can better understand what is coming and what to consider. How do we help professionals become the best version of themselves to help our businesses prosper? We have to look at the digital world, simplify the conversation, and all be a part of the discussion. So I'm here to streamline complex digital subjects with the help of content experts. Let's hear what they want us to know in a way we can understand. We often don't pay attention because it becomes super technical and can even make our brain hurt. AI, AR, VR, all of it. And it's all crashing into us at the same time. How do we make sense of it? That's what this program is all about. We can help leaders from all different business industries consider the issues and then facilitate the discussion back within their organization. Let's get it started. Welcome, fellow humans. I'm Dave Gerber, your host of Preparing for Robots. I'm so excited to kick off this episode of our international program here on Voice America's business channel. We have a great show lined up today, and we have a very interesting guest. If this is your first time listening to the show, let me share some quick information. On Preparing for Robots, we have the opportunity to talk about the impact of all things digital on your personal, professional, business, and leadership future, everyone's future. And we'll, and we'll dive headfirst into this seemingly endless and really an all-encompassing unknown digital revolution. I specialize in helping business leaders go after low-hanging fruit solutions to address costly pains associated with all types of organizational and personnel-related conflicts. And if you want to quantify how costly these conflicts are to your business, go to conflictcalculator.com and you will see the cost of human conflict. So I help businesses increase collaboration, save money, and generate revenue by harnessing conflict solutions. From consulting to coaching, training and facilitation to multi-generational hybrid solutions. I provide business leaders and professionals with answers to all types of people-related challenges. As we prepare for robots, humans are going to have to maximize their performance, increase their creative problem-solving skills, their conflict management abilities, and better adapt to the changing business landscape. 
We're talking about losing 50% of jobs in the next 10 years. What does this mean? My goal with this show is to help bring the discussion to life so that corporate boards and executives, leaders and professionals can help better understand what is coming and what to consider. How do we help professionals become the best version of themselves to help our businesses prosper? We have to look at the digital world, simplify the conversation and all be a part of the discussion. So I'm here to streamline complex digital subjects with the help of content experts like my guest today. We're going to, you know, let's hear about what they want us to know in a way we can understand. We often stop paying attention because it becomes super technical and I think can even make our brain hurt. AI, AR, VR, all of it. And it's all crashing in at the same time. How do we make sense of it? That's what this program is all about. We can help leaders from all different business industries consider the issues and then facilitate the discussion back within their organization. So let's get started. Today, we're going to be talking about the impact of the digital revolution on the financial services industry, i.e. our money and the impact it has on humans working in and utilizing these types of businesses. So proceeding at light speed, I'm happy to introduce and share some quick background on our featured guest today, Ryan Bateman. Ryan is the Director of Technology for a very successful DC-based investment advisor that provides public equity and private market investment strategies to its clients. As a Director of Technology, he oversees all matters relating to cybersecurity, data management, and technology. In previous roles, Ryan has served as the Director of Research, Sales, and Training Applications. He's also been a Director of Equity Capital Markets Technology and a European IT Manager and a Network Engineer. Welcome to Preparing for Robots, Ryan. How are you today? Hi, great. I'm doing well, Dave. Thanks. Fantastic. As you know, we've talked about we're here to simplify and talk about the impact of the digital revolution on humans. And I definitely have questions I want to ask, uh, and I know your audience is, is very curious about your insights. Are you ready to jump right in? You got it. Let's go. Awesome. So what are your thoughts around why this subject is important for business leaders and professionals to be aware of and having discussions about regularly? Sure. So, you know, I've been working in financial services technology for over 20 years. Um, and there's a lot of things that are happening today that we, we haven't seen in the past, right? So I think we're sort of in the middle of that fourth industrial revolution, um, one with really the robotic automation of work. Um, and the, the fact is that it's going to impact every single one of our businesses, uh, regardless of how prepared we are uh, or, or what we wish might happen, right? So um, leadership from a technology standpoint, from a business standpoint, has to come together in an understanding of what the landscape's going to look like, what are the competitive threats to our businesses, um, and, and we're going to have to have real strong leadership from both technology and business sides um, coming together to guide our businesses through this revolution so that the disruption that, that's just rocking our world um, won't leave us, our investors, our employees and staff members, our families uh, out, out in the cold. Uh, we really need to take care to, to take, take precautions to, to prepare our businesses for the revolution that's coming uh, and to prepare our, uh, our businesses and our families. Yeah, that's a fantastic way to start us off, Ryan. I appreciate that. And sort of this whole piece and part of my background is around the people side. It sort of led me to a conversation I had with a colleague yesterday. And I actually I mentioned at the beginning of the show, you know, is somebody said, well, what's the intersection, Dave, of your show preparing for robots and your longtime work with conflict management? So I want to I want to share with you what my answer was, and then get your thoughts about it before we get real specific on the the financial services side of this. So what I said was robots don't have conflicts. You know what is the financial and other business pain threshold between human conflict costs and replacing us with digital solutions? 
You know, robots, they don't fight. They don't need meetings. They don't have misunderstandings. They don't get sick. They don't steal. They don't require incentives. Uh, they, they don't fight with one another. Uh, they, they really, in some ways, don't even need leadership as we commonly discuss the subject. So business professionals must take significant actions around conflict fluency, improving creative problem-solving skills, and emotional intelligence to ensure that they have the ability to demonstrate and prove ROI into the future. What do you think about that? So, I mean, there's going to be a lot of conflict in the displaced workers, for sure. Um, so, you know, we've seen that that so far, you know, physical work of all types has been robotized in the past, right? If you look at across the heartland of America, manufacturing moved offshore, then a lot of it came back onshore, but the jobs went to the robots and, and the robot minders and not the old workers, right? Um, and the, the, the reality is that thought work is the next frontier. Um, you know, we're reaching a point you know, we'll probably get into this a little bit deeper when I give some specific examples, but, but AI is really the move of machines into being able to do human-like work and to do things that uh, even a few weeks or years ago were, were seemingly impossible for, for a non-human to execute. Um, but what's going to happen is that a lot of people are not going to be able to make that transition, Dave. Um, the, you know, the, the, the best executions of this technology are going to elevate people. It's going to free people from the rote work that they've been finding themselves in, the menial, repetitive tasks that, that don't really require any, any new ads. Um, those things are going to be completely roboticized. Now, there's two ways it can go. Either the, the, the individual workers uh, will be elevated and then they'll be freed up to do higher level thought work. They'll be able to start adding even more value and help us move our businesses to the next level. And that's really where the leadership comes is how do you transition people from a role where they were just sort of doing repetitive tasks, they, they maybe they were caught in a trap of sorts. How do you make sure they have access to the education? How do you make sure they have access to the skills? How do, they, how do you provide the support that these individuals are going to need? Because you don't, wanna, you don't want all those skills walking out the door. It's a huge danger to our businesses when this disruption comes to lose all of the many decades of excellent thinking and, and hard work and, and deep knowledge about our customers and our, and our businesses. Um, you have to be sure. Now, other people aren't going to transition well. Right. So there's other folks that that for whatever reasons are not necessarily going to make the cut. And we have to think about that as a society, maybe not as a business leader. You know, in some ways, you know, you do what you can as far as severance. You do what you can to, to help those separations be as painless as possible. But but that sort of is going to move into a larger discussion about our society and how do you help people that have been disrupted? I don't think we've done a great job in the past. Uh, we haven't seen a lot of great leadership on how to help people whose jobs are being disrupted, either be offshoring was a huge was a huge issue in financial services that we are still working through, but robots are going to be even even more. So there's there's going to be huge challenges um, managing conflict across our staffs broadly uh, in the coming years if we're not already in the middle of it, which a lot of us are. Yeah, huge. And you talked about something that I think is interesting, and that's is what I talk about is this difference between change and transition. And, you know, everyone sees change is so stressful. Often it's transition that's stressful because the transition extends out a lot longer. Uh, we have to actually deal with the change. And one of the pieces that I see happening is, uh, to, to piggyback on what you're saying, is the, is the communication between businesses and uh, schools as well, you know, bringing them into the larger picture. So we're talking about transitioning. We're talking about education. We're talking about severance. We're talking about a lot of different pieces that I think have to come together, wouldn't you say? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, preparing people for those transitions, I mean, the change is coming regardless of what we do, right? In, in our industry and in financial services, the disruption is rattling uh, our industry to the core. Um, so how we manage this transition that's going to happen as our either businesses move up uh, and they use these new technologies, they take advantage of the new business models, they, they reinvent themselves, they transform themselves. And that's where that digital transformation is such a big topic. But other firms won't make it, right? They're not making those transitions. They're sitting uh, complacent and, and, and believing that they're immune. Um, and that hasn't gone well traditionally for anyone. Well, it doesn't go well. And even a quick story that we know about Toys R Us going out of business. I mean, one of the reasons, right, is because they didn't believe in the Internet back in 2000 or whenever it was. And they had Amazon doing their work for them. And yeah. now we see where that where that led to. So uh, you started off the show, and I really like it, which it's coming, and, th- and 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 that's huge. And the other thing, and you mentioned this preparation piece, and I and I really sort of uh, challenge you know our audience to act to take action. You know, we live in particularly the United States, and this is a global show, but in most ways, many people we're not we don't prepare. Preparation. I had a publisher tell me preparation doesn't pay. That's why we have four books on uh, how not to get diabetes and 4,000 on what to do when you get it. So we really have to also get leaders to shift their mindset and to see that preparation is critical. And a lot of what you're talking about really overlap. How can we do all the things you're talking about, Ryan, and not teach our people to be successful at dealing with interpersonal conflict? No, I think you have to. I think real leadership, uh, you have to be able to handle that interpersonal conflict. You have to be able to have the hard conversations and, you know, take advantage of it because those conflicts can be a great opportunity um, to address major issues that otherwise may be left undiscussed. So, um, you know, I, I agree with you in that that conflict isn't necessarily a bad thing as long as you enter it with the right mindset to, to make it a productive conflict and to to use it to generate additional ideas, to use it to generate strategies um, for how you're going to, to get move forward in the situation that you're in. Absolutely. And that's why I would say conflict's not a dirty word, right? I mean, it's one of those things that's, that, you know, we know that people store the long-term memory and the emotional center in the same part of their inner brain. So when we talk, when we say the word conflict, people even go back to, you know, subconsciously very quickly how it feels. And so, you know, I think it's another thing that happens with respect to, to robots as well in this discussion of tech is that it, it can become very overwhelming and then we just hear it and then we just shut it down. And I think yeah, what happens when you get into conflict with a robot, right? Does the robot even understand what a conflict is? It knows about inputs, it knows about outputs and expected parameters and errors, but really the nature of a, of a human engaging in conflict with a robot is highly problematic, right? I don't think anybody has skills to, to handle that situation, uh, maybe except a few computer programmers, and they're going to handle it in a very specific, highly technical way. Yeah, exactly. And that brings up another question, which maybe we'll get to at the end, which is interesting that I'm always saying, everyone says, well, what kind of robots will work best with humans? No, 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 no. What kind of humans will work best with robots? I mean, and I think that, that the dichotomy of that discussion has to really be addressed, wouldn't you say? I mean, as we move forward, we deal with conflict, you bring up the subject that even this counterpart, <clears throat> there's no good faith, there's no solution oriented, there's no soft skill stuff that we know. So how are we going to interface at that level? Yeah, I will. Let's let's loop around at the end, and um, maybe I'll have come up with some answers by that. Yeah, no, that's awesome. <laughs> and so, uh, one of the things that I know we're going to talk about, and we're going to spend more time, we're going to take a break in a minute here or two here, but I want to get you just to mention 
give us an overview, like the sort of the one minute, two minute summary of your thoughts on how AI is now impacting the, the financial services industry? Sure. There's a number of ways, right? So the first thing is, you know, AI and machine learning and their relationships. So they kind of get mixed up sometimes. Um, and so AI is, 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 you know, a machine performing tasks like a person. And, and machine learning is just sort of a way that AI can, can be achieved. Um, it's a learning mechanism where we can use tools within financial services to, to use data to train AIs to act in human-like ways. And so a lot of the stuff that we're doing within financial services technology, be it in fintech itself or be it in cybersecurity, which today are probably the two largest um, areas of investment in R&D that you'll see in financial services, both of them sort of involve heavy machine learning trying to produce these AI-like uh, reactions to unknown scenarios. Because I can go in a little bit about automation and robotic process automation and business process automation versus cognitive theory uh, and cognitive learning and how those two different things are impacting us and sort of slightly different uh, impacts in different areas of the business. Yeah, it's huge. And, and one of the things we know is it's, it's technical. So when we, when we come back from the break, I'm going to get you to sort of start again in, many, in some ways to sort of give us this platform of what you see in terms of the, tech, the types of technology. You can simplify it for us, sort of what's happening in the financial service industry. Why is, yep. that, why is that important for leaders who are listening and business professionals who are listening right now who may not uh, be in the financial services industry, but may want to learn about it or may want to use lessons learned and best practices from the financial service industry to help spark discussion back within their organization. Um, so when we come back, I'm going to ask you to do that, Ryan. Uh, sure. Before we do that, uh, let's, um, let's take a break. So it's time to take a break to hear the important messages from our sponsors. When we come back, we're going to dive deeper into the subject of AI, cyber, we're going to simplify and we're going to look at the impact on the business community with, and business professionals and what they need to be thinking about. I'm your host, Dave Gerber, and you're listening to Preparing for Robots on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Learn more about Dave's keynote speaking and podcasts, Preparing for Robots, The Conflict Healer, and Pre-Marriage Questions. Check any of your normal podcast sites, his LinkedIn page, and his websites, DaveGerber.com, DaveGerber.info, and PreparingForRobots.com. It's time to take charge of your own career path, but how do you get started? First, tune in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. Each show will feature national business leaders, tips and insight from Marie and her guests, career management tools, and a weekly career smart tip. She'll help you move forward, earn that promotion, get hired into the career you want, and brand yourself. The Career Confidant is broadcast live every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
Synergy development and training helps leaders maximize human performance with standardized conflict management and professional development solutions in order to increase retention, save money, and generate revenue. Go to SynergyDT.com and use the conflict calculator to learn about your organization's human conflict costs and find out what our training programs can help you do about it. That's SynergyDT.com to learn more. Or email Dave Gerber questions and thoughts to questions at SynergyDT.com. You hear about it all the time. Compromises, destructive malware, major breaches. You can't turn on the news without hearing about the latest cyber event. Learn more about cybersecurity, how it has become one of the most significant threats to our national security, and the battle experts undergo every day on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Task Force 7 Radio with host George Ritas is the voice of cybersecurity around the world. Tune in live every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on The Voice America Business Channel. Find out what's happening on The Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to Preparing for Robots with Dave Gerber. If you have a question or comment about the show, Dave welcomes your comments by email to questions at SynergyDT.com. Now, back to this week's show. All right, we are back. Welcome back. I'm your host, Dave Gerber, and you are listening to Preparing for Robots on the Voice America Business Channel. We're here with our international audience and my very knowledgeable guest, Brian Bateman. And, you know, I just want to pick up right where we left off. If you can share with us and our listeners, you know, how is artificial intelligence, do this, briefly, really explain quickly, what is artificial intelligence? And then tell us how it's impacting the financial services industry. Sure. Thanks, Dave. Um, Yeah, so, you know, AI and financial services is really impacting in in two ways. Uh, We sort of, in our industry, have been splitting it up into two types of AI. You know, one is what I would just call automation, which are rule-based systems that kind of mimic human behavior to to replace them in a repeatable process. Um, and what that is, is basically people in, in our world that's, that have been doing like stock settlements and matching and taking two sets of information from two places and bringing it together and, and reconciling that data. It's a huge number of jobs. And these have been being disrupted for many years now. Um, there's a lot of new products and services that are coming out. Companies have been building on this stuff for years. And um, there's, there's a lot of displacement of workers that has been happening because these systems are able to do what was previously a fairly difficult task. The computers are, are advanced enough that they're able to do it. Um, and so that's well underway. That's basically already changed a lot of the, the structure of our businesses. Um, and where that stuff's possible, it's already been done. Where I would say is more the frontier, and I think what probably a lot more people on this podcast are interested in, or this radio show, are cognitive intelligence, right? This is where you have uh, AIs mimicking human behavior, but it's it's not programmed behavior. You haven't analyzed a set structure of steps, A, B, C, D, E, and told a robot how to do it. Instead, you're giving the robot hundreds, millions, tens of millions of pieces of data and having the robot learn how to do behavior on its own. Uh, and what this does is it gives the robot theoretically more flexibility. It, it allows the robot to tackle tasks which have been previously impossible um, for robots to do in the past. So there's a couple areas. I'll go pretty quickly and high level um, where the biggest impacts are. But, you know, in financial services, at least on our side of it, uh, which is the wealth management or the buy side, um, 
robo-advisors have been a major, major and massive disruption. That's, that's really been a wave that's coming. And for those that may not know what a robo-advisor is, a, a robo-advisor is a one-size-fits-all robotic solution to wealth management. Uh, some people might call it an automated investment advisor or an automated investment manager, uh, digital advice platform. And what it means is that people are moving to a service where they sign up to a website, they put their money in, and the robot or the system automatically manages their funds for them and keeps their balances and their, their weighting of all their portfolio positions automatically without the use of a person. Um, wow. Now, people, yeah, it's, it's incredible. And people have been, you know, using wealth advisors for a long time, but they're expensive. Um, sometimes they may have conflicts of interest, depending on the laws, they may not have to put your interest above their own. Um, the same thing may still apply to robots. They may not have to put their, their benefit above your own as well, or your own above them. But, um, you know, really what's happening is financial services was, was, was collecting rent on this decision process, right? People are giving investment advisors or wealth advisors their money and rents taken in order to make decisions on how to best to put those assets to work to grow the, the wealth of the client. Um, the thing about the robotic systems or these robot advisors is they do it for a fraction of the cost. In many cases, no cost at all. So Really? So let me get back to that. Uh, so yep. robo-advisors clearly, and my next, one of my next questions is going to be, how is this stuff impacting jobs and impacting humans, right? I mean, if you're telling me that, one, it's – it basically could do the thought processing of a hundred or a thousand brains at one time. And you're telling me that I can get it for free or almost free. And it's probably available 24 seven in your native language um, where before that, that really wasn't something that was always possible. So yeah, a lot of firms are, are under immense pressure because the fees that they charge are, or the, they use that money to do uh, all their business operations. And as their competitors are coming with these robo advisors, all the largest firms really have to come out with their own version of that themselves, right? So it used to be only the wealthy had a good wealth advisor and, and, and the small investor was left to themselves in general without a minimum balance in some fives or tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars. Now, with a lot of these robo-advisors, you could put money in $3,000, $5,000, $1,000 and get access to a lot of these tools. So it's really a game changer in that it's democratizing access to decision making. Mm -hmm. But there, there, there's a downside as well. And a lot of people are concerned that these robo-advisors may not be prepared for really tough market conditions, right? They're programmed, all the data points they've seen um, may not prepare them for, for what we, you know, in the financial services, we always talk about past performance is not indicative of future performance, meaning that just because something's done well in the past and it's gone up or it's gone down doesn't mean it's going to continue doing that same thing. What happens when things like the 2008 financial crisis hit? How is a robotic system going to be able to respond? We don't have enough data to necessarily know today. So, so it would strike me, and, I, and I, I've given an example on, on another episode of this, uh, that it would strike me that lower level positions within this industry, just like others are going to be threatened uh, as organizations are going to have to build this sort of robo investor machine to provide, to keep up with and do business with the, with the new clients. And yet at the same time, knowing that it's also helping them, it, it, it's, it's, it's forcing them to lay off workers. 
Yeah, it's, it's definitely disruptive, right? Um, in, in some ways, you know, a, a, I would say that some firms are definitely not going to be able to make this transition or compete in this new world because the models are set or they just don't have the capability, the, the ability to invest in these new technologies. They don't have the, they didn't have the forethought to start a few years ago. Because if you're starting today, you're probably, you're probably behind. Well, so the question is, will it go out, will these organizations, these businesses, will they go out of business just like we might see the small time grocery store go out of business because they can't, they can't accept cell phone payments, you know, when somebody walks in and walks out. Is that, is that possible? Absolutely. I mean, if you're a consumer and you have a choice between a no or very low cost solution that gets you what you need and, and puts you in a good situation versus a, uh, a more expensive product that, that may not even perform as well as you want it to, then it's almost no choice. The, for, for firms that wish to survive and thrive, though, you have to, you have to take control. And, and this is where the leadership that we talked about comes into place, right? You have to have a strategy for tackling the disruption that's coming. You have to have the, the ability to invest in R&D. You have to have the ability to have a vision for how you can elevate your services, how you can differentiate yourself. Um, there's certainly going to be a plenty of room in financial services for non-robo advisors, but they're going to have to be firms which are, you know, able to differentiate themselves by performance, by strategy, by their ability to deliver improved investment outcome to their clients over time. And, and it's going to take a really strong leadership team. It's going to take a really excellent vision and understanding of the marketplace and of our customers and what their needs are uh, in order to get there. And it, it's going to be a huge challenge. You know, on the one positive side, it strikes me that people who normally couldn't have somebody helping them manage their money and create wealth will now, you know, possibly down the road be able to have an app uh, that they'll be able to use to, to you know, as you said, submit $1,000 or $500 yeah. or, you know, especially when we look at micro lending and, and, and other things like that um, being brought into the game. Um, so another topic that I want to make sure we cover, which is important to you, and we'll talk about it before and after the break, but is cybersecurity. And so cybersecurity is an issue that, you know, sort of goes far, obviously super important in the financial services when we're talking about protecting money. But, you know, when we're talking about protecting information, when we're talking about, you know, protecting uh, our computer systems, all of it, cybersecurity is something that sort of cuts across all spectrums. You know, do you have some quick thoughts for us? you know, just in general on cybersecurity, we can come back later in terms of the financial services? Sure. Um, you know, financial services is obviously a, a big target for um, cyber criminals because they, they, you know, why did Dillinger rob banks? That's where the money is, right? So FinTech is certainly an, an area where um, all the cyber criminals and all the bad guys are looking for an in because in general, um, the, the bad guys or the, the fraudsters in the cybersecurity world are in it for one thing and they're in it for money. Whether it's stealing your personal data to sell it, whether it's breaking into a bank to be able to transfer funds out, whether it's stealing someone's email address and convincing someone else to, to send money for a contract that doesn't exist. At the end of the day, everything these guys are doing is completely focused on stealing money from uh, whoever they can and getting access to those funds. Um, and it's been an arms race for a number of years. And it's one that for a long time, and maybe even today, we may be losing, right? So um, our adversaries are, are uh, able to 
um, to change and to advance and to, and to research uh, in ways that, that they're more agile. And, and it, when you're a fintech company uh, or a financial services company, you're sort of, you're stuck, right? You have your set attack surface, your websites and your portals and your client accounts and your banks um, where your adversary can move around it with a lot of freedom. Um, so, you know, we've been working for a long time on how are we going to tackle this challenge? How are we going to defend ourselves uh, when, our, when our adversary is constantly evolving? Um, one really, really good tool is AI. Um, and AI has sort of emerged in the last few years as a tool that, that can really aid us in defending our networks and identifying vulnerabilities and finding attackers within our networks. Um, and, and AI has a bunch of advantages that normal people don't in this area. Um, so one of them is that, that cybersecurity is the perfect area for machine learning and AI because they're just massive data sets. Um, if you think about the Internet of Things, you think about machines, they produce just tons and tons of data. That's information about everything that's happening. And this data is very sort of what we call unstructured. It's just, it's logs, it's information that no human being, no matter how technical, can read and understand, especially at volume. Um, where then you, you can train an AI or a machine to look at these billions and billions of lines of code and identify trends that a human could never identify. Um, it can look at all the information coming from a massive company and all the interactions of every device, whether those be the computers, the phones, the lights, the AI, whatever the machines are that are, that are running within the firm. And these AIs can look at all that data and say, hey, something that doesn't make sense is happening over here. Maybe a human being needs to go have a look at that right now. Um, and, and that's a huge advantage that we've never, we've never been able to, to sort of get in there because people just simply lack the capacity to absorb and, and find patterns in that amount of data. It's fascinating stuff. It, it strikes me as I'm listening to you that the criminals, as they get more sophisticated, will be using AI tools uh, to, to break into accounts being defended by AI tools. Uh, is, that, is that really what's going to be happening? Um, so the, the bad guys have AIs too, <laughs> which is sort of the bad news. Right. Um, and, and so you have sort of your, your, your APTs, what we call it, the advanced persistent threat, which are nation states. Those are going to be our, our geopolitical adversaries who quite literally have entire office buildings filled with computer scientists whose job it is, is to build the tool to, to break through our security. Mm -hmm. um, so this arms race, even though we're starting to get AI and uh, it, 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 our adversaries are doing the same thing, um, the one advantage I would hope that, that we have, at least in the Western world, is our free market and it is our Silicon Valleys. It's our ability of private business and enterprise to focus in on the places where, where they can make the most difference. Um, and produce new and innovative solutions where, where maybe, you know, a, uh, an Eastern Bloc country may have a lot of computer scientists working on a problem, but, but they might not have the necessarily the same levels of creativity or um, the same sort of motivations to solve a problem. Yeah, this is, this, is, this is fantastic. And I appreciate how well you're simplifying this for, for myself and also for, for our audience. Uh, this whole issue of AI and cybersecurity it gets really big. I mean, can you just give us real quickly some of the other industries that you're related to that you see that are also being impacted by this 
Uh, well, I would, I would probably say that every industry is. The, the ones that are most concerning to us are the critical infrastructure of, of, of our country. Um, so if you think about the power systems, about the Internet at its core, the, the ability of businesses to communicate with each other uh, via Internet or phone, the ability to deliver power, water, um, to our to our businesses and to our homes, um, there, there's a lot of attacks that are happening again and again against that critical infrastructure, and I think you've probably seen in the news against our democracy itself, right? So the very voting machines that we use to elect our leaders uh, are being actively attacked by our geopolitical adversaries, trying to disrupt our democracy. They don't want our votes to count, um, which is very troubling, um, and when we look at sort of the, the how government and private sector come together to solve these problems, um, there's a lot of challenges that we still have. Um, the, the good news is there's a lot of, of, of collaboration between the military, between the private sector, between law enforcement, um, because we realize at the end of the day that, that all these industries are being impacted, that all these areas of our critical infrastructure are being impacted, and, it, and it, they're all intertwined. Uh, you can't just leave it to the government to solve these problems, but the government can't just leave it to private industry either because there's so much that happens across state lines. There's so much that happens internationally. Um, you really need leadership at the highest levels to recognize the threat um, and to sort of bring people together in working groups across industry, across private and public sector to, to tackle these um, problems together. This is great. It's, a, it's an opportunity, again, for us to highlight the conflicts that are happening both in the industry of financial services outside, uh, how, they're in, how they're integrated and relating to other, to other businesses and other industries themselves. So I want to take a quick break to hear important messages from our sponsors. When we come back, we're going to jump right back into our discussion with Ryan. We're going to look at more issues around employment, uh, hit the lightning round of questions and more. I'm your host, Dave Gerber, and you're listening to Preparing for Robots on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Learn more about Dave's keynote speaking and podcasts, Preparing for Robots, The Conflict Healer, and Pre-Marriage Questions. Check any of your normal podcast sites, his LinkedIn page, and his websites, DaveGerber.com, DaveGerber.info, and PreparingForRobots.com. It's time to take charge of your own career path, but how do you get started? First, tune in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. Each show will feature national business leaders, tips and insight from Marie and her guests, career management tools, and a weekly career smart tip. She'll help you move forward, earn that promotion, get hired into the career you want, and brand yourself. The Career Confidant is broadcast live every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Synergy Development and Training helps leaders maximize human performance with standardized conflict management and professional development solutions in order to increase retention, save money, and generate revenue. Go to SynergyDT.com and use the conflict calculator to learn about your organization's human conflict costs and find out what our training programs can help you do about it. That's SynergyDT.com to learn more. 
or email Dave Gerber questions and thoughts to questions at SynergyDT.com. You hear about it all the time. Compromises, destructive malware, major breaches. You can't turn on the news without hearing about the latest cyber event. Learn more about cybersecurity, how it has become one of the most significant threats to our national security, and the battle experts undergo every day on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Task Force 7 Radio with host George Ritas is the voice of cybersecurity around the world. Tune in live every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on The Voice America Business Channel. Find out what's happening on The Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to Preparing for Robots with Dave Gerber. If you have a question or comment about the show, Dave welcomes your comments by email to questions at SynergyDT.com. Now, back to this week's show. All right. Welcome back. Welcome back. We, it's great to have you. I'm your host, Dave Gerber, and you're listening to Preparing for Robots in the Voice America Business Channel. We are here with our international audience and my very knowledgeable guest, Brian Bateman. We are going to jump right back into this discussion. It's been fascinating. We're talking about AI. We're talking about cybersecurity. We're talking about financial services. We're talking about why people need to be, why business professionals need to be engaged in this conversation. So Ryan, I want to jump right back in. Uh, and, you know, will AI replace people in most jobs in this sector? And what's the timeline? That's a great question. Um, you know, there's a lot of different types of workers in fintech, and a lot of them always thought that they were basically safe from disruption. Um, you know, we're seeing more and more that some jobs are going to be outsourced and others are going to end up being what I would call augmented, right? So an example of the jobs that are on the way out uh, are traders. Right. So quantitative models and AI are being built today and are actively displacing trading, which was traditionally like the very core of what our businesses did. Those transactions, people wouldn't, were very reluctant to trust them to machines um, mm-hmm. because of their very the, the, the highly regulated nature and because of the business impact they could have. But um, the firms that got out fast and early, the firms that have been investing heavily in this. Uh, what you're seeing more and more is, you know, jobs like trading are being replaced by algorithms can, that can do it faster with less errors and less bias. Um, so, the, so jobs that we thought that never be replaced are, are already being replaced. Um, there are certain other types of work, which I would call sort of that high level knowledge work, where we're seeing that there's not much chance that at least in the next five to 10 years, those jobs are going to be heavily disrupted. But what we're, what we're believe, at least what I believe, is that in order for those people to succeed, we're going to have to augment their skills uh, with AI and machine learning. Uh, instead of uh, replacing them, we're going to make sort of superhumans. Um, the concept being give a, someone who is a very high level thought worker or knowledge worker the skills and the tools and the machines behind them to let them make better decisions, to help them improve their decision-making process, make them more powerful, increase their ability to generate alpha or, or returns for, for the client. So um, if you look at sort of the R&D and you look at the investment that a lot of uh, different fintech firms are making today, um, you know, it's not all in finding these low-level uh, you know, tasks, the rote tasks to, to, to automate, which is certainly happening. But, but most of the R&D that we're seeing is in the, the high level, how do you build systems and AIs to, to augment or 
accentuate the capabilities of individual humans and make them better at their jobs. Um, this is a good possibility, right? Because what it means is the robots aren't necessarily going to be replacing lots and lots of people uh, in those types of roles. What's going to happen is their skill sets are going to have to change. Um, and that sort of goes into the question of what skill sets do people need in order to function in, in the future, at least in financial services technology. Um, you know, the, the trading desks where the traders are being disrupted, the traders that are succeeding are the ones that are learning to code. Right. So the new traders or the most successful ones are ones who are programming in languages like Python. They're the ones that are able to take the reins and take leadership and control over the algorithms and use their decades of skill and ability to guide those AIs, to guide the machines and the algorithms to have better and better performance. Um, there's there's always going to be this concept of continual improvement and continuous um, you know, building and, and testing of models and improving of them. And people are always going to be needed for that, um, at least in, in fintech. I think it's a, it's a long, long way off from the robots being able to train and teach themselves um, versus being able to sort of learn how to do tasks that, that, that people tee up for okay. them. So then I have two questions. One is, what are some of the other skill sets they're going to need? Because I argue that it's conflict management, higher order thinking, emotional intelligence, adaptability, uh, the ability to learn new information. So but one question is, what are some skill sets you see? And then also, if you could lead that into this discussion, as, a, as an educator and as a former K-12 educator and more, like I'm concerned about like what this education gap. If we, have, if we know we are going to need skills, don't we need to see businesses get more involved in education than they've ever been before to help prepare people? I mean, I got a 12 year old daughter when she graduates, you know, what, how does she set up for success? So what are the skills that you see that are going to be important and where does it, where do those skills get taught? These are good questions that I don't know if we've been able to find any great solutions for them so far. Um, you know, the skills, the, it's always evolving. And I think you hit on it and it's the ability to learn. And, and I would focus more on, on the core of, of the human experience, which is curiosity. Um, the, the workers that are going to have the most success, at least in my mind, are those that are going to have an intellectual curiosity. They're going to have a desire to learn new skills. If you look at the most successful software developers that, that firms employ, they're constantly reinventing themselves because new languages for programming, new technologies are constantly coming out. They have to reinvent themselves. They have to continually elevate themselves. And I think the days of the, the, the worker saying, oh, I'm not a technologist, you know, let's leave that to the IT department. I'm a business person. Those days are fading. Everyone's going to have to have fluency with technology. Everyone, because our businesses are moving to that digital future where almost all aspects of our businesses are going to have digital footprint. They're going to be influenced by digital technology. Um, the digital future means that everybody who's going to be successful is going to have to have some types of capabilities. And I think in fintech especially, you know, software programming, data science, and business analysis are the big areas where we have so much need. And, and that's really going to be, you know, people that are able to, to actually get into the details of deep, dark numbers that are very confusing and be able to help understand those numbers and prepare them for the machines. Um, to be able to analyze and build the data sets that we train our AIs and machine learning models on. They're the scientists and the, and the data workers who are going to have to uh, build the, the data foundations of our businesses. So if you think about taking a traditional business and digitizing it, um, that transformation has a number of stages. But in the end state, the entire business is really built on a foundation of data. 
Um, that data is what's used to build all the applications and tools. It's the, 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 so it's the foundation upon which all the decision-making and capabilities that the high-level workers need. If we're going to augment people. They need to have tools that have access to all the best information. So I would say that, you know, sort of those traditional STEM jobs, but software programming, data science, and analytics are, are absolutely critical. So that leads me to what do we do with all the people that are in our world that are not math, science, techie minded? Um, you know, I'm not a math guy. You, I, you could put me in a class for a year and I would, would probably would learn very little in terms of, you know, it's not that I can't adjust and learn, just somehow the numbers. When, chem, when I was in chemistry, I didn't understand the helix and the double helix and why everything was connected. So what are we going to do with all the people who, who, who don't do the techie stuff? Yeah, I mean, again, not everyone has to be in the technology department. Not everyone has to learn how to software code. Um, I think that in, at least in our industry, a lot of those those types of jobs are moving towards the client, right? It's it's now that you're being freed up from maybe a report that took you three days to make or an analysis that, that took days or weeks to do at the end of the month or the quarter. If you can accelerate the production of that information, people can spend more of their time focusing on how do we make our client experience better? How do we improve the results that we're giving our clients? Are we spending our time listening to our clients? Do we truly understand their needs? Are we building strategically the products and the services that our clients are going to want or need in the future? And I think that's really the core is, you know, service, I guess it, it goes across industries as well, but the service industry um, is, is really a lot of what I see as the future. And that's going to be figuring out and, and listening and talking to clients and, and finding ways to deliver new and better services to them. Uh, that's not necessarily going to need you to be good at math. That's not going to need you to be a software programmer, but you will know, need to know how to use those tools. You'll need to know how to take advantage of the new technologies that are coming so that you can do better in your role um, and, and deliver better client products and services to your clients. And I think that's great because in some ways we I framed it and we framed it as people who are coming up into the work, but we're also talking about in parallel time. So we're really talking about people who have the ability to look at what they're doing now and start to think about how to re-educate, how to shift, how to move and be ready. Uh, and I think that's important for, I think it's important for both individuals and for organizations. I think organizations, they need to sit down and they need to figure out what are all the things that robots can do. And then let's rethink about job descriptions and get people moving towards the things that robots aren't going to do. And people need to uh, independently and with the support of the organization, but independently as professionals need to be looking ahead in their industry and sort of uh, thinking about where are we going and how is it going to impact myself as someone who needs to get work and pay bills and, and move forward. I think that's the other thing. Yeah, how are you going to differentiate yourself as a business to succeed in the new world? And one of the biggest dangers of the, this transition that's coming is losing all the excellent knowledge and the deep expertise that so many people across your business have. Um, you know, the people processing things, those are kind of the only things that you really have, right? Computer systems and people at the end of the day, and maybe yes. data. Uh, if you lose the people, um, you, you lose a very, very important part of any sort of strategy that you're going to have for competing in the future. Um, it's really important to, to think about this in advance, to come up with ways to train and to elevate your, your staff members so that they're able to participate fully in the future. Because there's simply no way that I think most businesses are going to ever survive if they replace all of their knowledge workers with robots. 
um, you'll be left with a, a lot of robots who don't really understand the needs of their customers. They don't understand where the business is heading, where the industry is heading, and the new threats that are going to come when the robots are here. Um, believe me, this isn't the end of change and innovation that, that's coming across our economy and, and across our world. Well, it definitely highlights, though, the skills that are going to be needed for individuals across different industries in order to be successful, right? I mean, you would argue that there are certain skills that are just, whether it's financial services or uh, banks or wherever it is, they're going to, employees are going to need to have those. Yeah, and I think, you know, this is a great question about just our education system and whose responsibility is it to educate the workforce of the future? Businesses traditionally, at least in the last 20 or 30 years, have really wanted workers that are fit for purpose, that have already been trained in all the skills that they need uh, to be able to do a specific job, and and then they want to pay them the least amount of money possible. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we may start to see a shift where, you know, businesses will will be willing to accept that those workers are just going to be harder and harder to find, and they may have to do more training people. So it'll be more of a question of, you know, wh- where are the, the workers that are coming up or transitioning from other roles that have the, do they have the generic skills? Do they have that curiosity? Do they have that capacity to learn? Do they have the interest in learning new technologies and adapting? Um, I think, you know, if, if we can get our schools and our, and our job training programs and our technical skills, um, you know, teaching people not here's how you program in language X, but, you know, how to think like a programmer, how mm-hmm. to think like a creative and curious person, that, that, that those skill sets are always going to lead to success um, versus that sort of closed mindset. Um, so I'm hopeful, and I think a lot of the, the most successful businesses are ones that are engaging with people at very young ages. Um, they're trying to get themselves out there as innovative and exciting companies with technology capabilities so that, that, that the kids that they're working with, whether those be robot programs, after school programs, hackathons, that they get that mind share and that they, they sort of are helping bring those people into the world of business. Awesome. This has been a great interview. I'm so happy you agreed to come on the show. Before I let you go, I have to ask you these lightning round questions that I ask everybody for some fun, real fast. Okay. One thing you love about technology. I love technology that it's always changing and it's always a challenge. Uh, Every day is so exciting and they go so fast. One thing you dislike about technology. Uh, technology can be really confusing and it's hard to, uh, talk to people outside of technology about what you do and why what you do is so important. If you could have a robot do anything for you, what would it be? Uh, it would probably be to do the dishes, Dave. (laughs) I love it. And what will humans do in 30 years if jobs have disappeared and shifted? Uh, well, jobs are never going to go away, but people are hopefully going to be doing a lot more interesting and exciting work. Um, I hope that we free people from a lot of the drudgery of the day-to-day and allow people the capacity uh, to spend their days doing really value-added work that they find is meaningful, uh, maybe instead of it doing sort of rote tasks that are boring and, and, and soul-crushing. Yeah, and if we can move people, I think what it also does is it allows people to, it, this concept of self-actualization it brings it to the masses. You know, I think in 30 years, it's self-actualization will not be just, in, just something for the wealthy and that we'll all be able to sort of go to another level of consciousness. You know, we're all out of time this week. Hopefully, we've energized you on a Monday and uh, can carry that through the rest of the week. Check this out. We will continue to tackle and simplify the digital revolution so we all can have fun, learn, and prepare our personal and business lives with confidence. 
Tune in next week for our show where we might look at the impact of digital on politics, autonomous vehicles, HR, or tech's influence on healthcare. We might investigate the digital impact on government or what professionals need to know who are involved with higher education. Don't forget to be human and take a digital vacation. Wishing every human on the planet a great day and a better one tomorrow. You've been listening to Preparing for Robots on the Voice America Business Channel. I'm your host, Dave Gerber. I love you, and we are out of here. Thank you for listening to Preparing for Robots. Join Dave Gerber next Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy the week.